0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission. Connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. God is with us. When then, What then shall we say to these things? Verse 31, Romans 8 says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And you know, Paul summarizes some of the things that we do find that are working against us, working against our our joy and our happiness. He mentions in verse 35 things like distress and persecution and famine and suffering, danger, sickness, even a coronavirus can separate us from God. No, no. Nothing can separate us from God, even a pandemic. Paul says that no matter what comes our way, no matter what we find that we have to endure, nothing, nothing, nothing has the power to separate me from the love of God. This is a great promise. This is a marvelous truth. This is what's going to get you through cancer. Unemployment marital distress this is an important teaching from god's word he sees everything nothing comes by accident to the lord the actual word providence uh, providence has a very interesting backstory that i just want to take a moment sharing with you i love words you probably remember that the word comes from latin it's the word videre and we have tran- not translated, but transliterated this word videre into English as our word video. Remember videos, VHSs? Video. And you throw the, pr- the prefix pro in front of it, and you have provideo, which means knowing beforehand. The word providence is closely akin to the biblical word we see often, God's foreknowledge, that God knows. He's omniscient. He knows all things all the time, and he knows the future, his foreknowledge. But the word providio, this Latin word, the best translation of the word into English is the word provision, God's provision. I want to ask four questions this morning. Almost like a catechism. What is a catechism? You ask a question, an answer is given. It's a tool for discipleship and teaching. I want to ask four questions in our catechism class this morning. The first question is this. What does our knowledge of God's foreknowledge provide? What does that provide for me? Bill, what does it give to you? What does that provide? The fact that I know God knows everything. Because it can be discouraging if you're going through a tough time and you know God knew it's coming. Right? Well, the scripture here we're going to look at in in Romans chapter 8 is going to tell us it's a single word. It's the word hope, hope. Listen to verse 24, 25, Romans 8. For in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience, patience. Hope, it's future thinking. Hope is believing things are actually going to get better. And so we all want to be hopeful individuals. The confidence of our hope as believers, as disciples of Christ, is based on an object in which our hope is placed, and that is a person who is Jesus, who is the truest, longest lasting, longest uh, true hope that anybody could possibly have. Our hope as Christians is anchored in a relationship. Not happenstance, not like, I hope things will get better. No, I hope because I hope in Christ. It's anchored in a relationship, a solid assurance that God cares for his children all the time. He loves you. He will care for you, even when life is not fun. Our hope is anchored in the promise that God is good, and he is good all of the time. And no matter what happens in my life, as crummy as it is to go through it, God is still good. And there's something good out of, that I can learn out of this. His promises are solid because God is for us. Even when every one of my five senses are screaming that life sucks. No. God has purpose in this. You just don't know what it is yet. Knowing that God is for us gives us peace. Or as Paul iterates here at the end of uh, verse 25, it it gives us joy, but patience. You need to be patient as you walk through this difficulty. Wait for it, he says at the end of verse 25, with patience. Which leads us to our second question. Our first question, what, the, the fact that we have knowledge of God's foreknowledge, what does that provide me? The second question, I'm told to wait with patience, but the question I have when I ask, see that, when Paul writes that is, wait for what? What is it I'm supposed to be waiting for? I'll wait, but I need to know what it's for. And the scripture tells us again, this passage here in verse 26, 27. Likewise, the Spirit tells, uh, helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints, that's all Christians, the saints, according to the will of God. Now, this verse, this, these two verses have been largely misunderstood through the ages, But what it's basically saying, the Bible is promising to you as a child of God that there is a hidden work of God happening in your life 24-7, and you don't know about it. But you could take it to the bank. There is a hidden work of God happening, and it's this. The Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf all of the time. And when you are going through such difficulty that you don't even know how to pray, and you're, you, I don't even want to pray anymore. He is praying with groanings that are difficult to utter. There is compassion and mercy and grace, and he's praying not with you. He's praying for you all the time. Now, I hope that brings encouragement, encourage to you, knowing that the Spirit of God 24-7 right now is praying for you. On your behalf interceding interceding on your behalf the word intercede another interesting word i'm going to give another word lesson another latin word it's made of two words it's a compound word that means to be a go-between an intercessor is a person who prays on behalf of something or someone else intercession is me praying for my son who has cancer. It is me praying for my spouse who is unemployed. It is me praying for my friend who has cancer. It's me praying for our church who needs a lead pastor. It's being an intercessor, a go-between, between between the Father and your, your desire to see God's will to occur. And the Spirit of God is doing that for you every day, every hour, every minute, every moment. That's awesome news. And we don't know this hidden work of God is going on all the time. And I imagine, especially when we're discouraged in times of difficulty, He is praying a prayer all the time on our behalf. I mean, earlier in Romans chapter 8, in fact, in verse 9, Paul states that all believers, all those who are born of the Spirit, are indwelt by the Spirit. The Spirit of God indwells, is, is surrounds and, and energizes and empowers His children to live a life of godliness and righteousness. And verse 26 of the same chapter, this same Holy Spirit who is indwelt in you as a believer is praying for you all the time. Not some of the time. And He's not just praying with you or encouraging you. No, He's on it. He's just praying for you. The Spirit of God is praying for you To lift the burden that you're not alone in this difficulty, in this traumatic experience. The Holy Spirit is doing some of the heavy lifting along with you. Know that the Spirit of God is trying to lift that burden by praying for you, brother, sister in Christ. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. In the passage here in verse 26 and verse 34, we understand that this encouragement is, a, is Trinitarian in its scope. In verse 26 of Romans 8, it, it's this intercession, this go-between praying is happening within the life of the believer with the Holy Spirit who's well. He's, he's praying. But in verse 34, he says, this intercession is also happening outside of the life of the believer with Jesus at the right end of the Father, praying, interceding for his children 24-7 that's amazing news for the believer in times of particularly difficulty and uncertainty remind yourself you got to go between you got to go between who's praying every minute of every day when you wake up at three in the morning you can't get back to sleep no someone's praying for you right now they're praying for you our father in heaven is praying paul indicates that this should give us peace encouragement And that's why we should, as he says at the end of verse 25, remain patient in the midst of difficulty. Be patient. Be patient. Which leads to a third question in our catechism class this morning. First question, what does knowledge of God's foreknowledge provide? What are we waiting for? Our second question. Third question, do we know what the Holy Spirit is actually praying? He's praying. Great. What's he praying? You know what? The scripture tells us. Verse 27, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He is praying that you will understand God's will for your life in the midst of this crummy thing you're going through. That you'll truly understand. You'll, you'll, you'll be, something will be illuminated by reading his word or the counsel of a friend, but you will know the will of God in the midst of these difficult trials. These times of uncertainty and difficulty, especially when we're we're in these occasions, these are times actually where we do struggle to understand God's will, isn't it? If we're honest. We don't like God's will possibly. So we we, we struggle with the understanding. And in our understanding, we fail to see, that's that word, video, we fail to see beforehand what God might actually be doing in my life through the difficulty. And we get upset or we get angry or we stop praying or we leave the church or whatever. You know something? If that's your life right now, if you're online and you're locking, I encourage you to know that there are others who suffered with that as well. There are lots of Old Testament characters who didn't have it all together all the time. Let me give you an example. Two Old Testament characters who were perfect examples of those who didn't understand God's will. Listen to this testimony of a well known Old Testament character and guess who, you th- who it is. This is straight from the Bible. He, he's speaking about God. God has torn me in his wrath and hated me. Have you ever said that out loud? God, you hate me? He did. He has gnashed his teeth at me. My adversary, he's referring to God there. My enemy, my adversary, sharpens his eyes against me. Who said that? That's Job 16, 9. Job, in the very early days of his incredible suffering, I mean, Job would experience a whirlwind, a holocaust, a suffering as suffering comes. But in those early days, in the midst of his grief and devastation, he concluded, in the midst of that, that God hates him and that God was his adversary. Even Job faltered in understanding God's will for his life in the midst of the suffering. But this is a perfectly good conclusion if you do not understand the doctrine of the providence of God. If you don't have a full understanding of what God does in his providence, that's where you should conclude when you go through a holocaust of suffering. Listen to this, Old Testament just so you don't feel so bad about your own issues. Genesis 42, 16. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me of my children. He's speaking to God, of course. You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. He thinks Joseph is dead. And Simeon is no more. He thinks that Simeon is taken prisoner in Egypt by Pharaoh. And now you would take Benjamin. His youngest son would become a, uh, a gift to bring Simeon back. All this has happened. All this has come against me. But the reality is, although he was sincerely saying this, what God had done to him and his sons, every single assumption he's made, every conclusion he has made is completely wrong. Completely wrong. Joseph's not dead. Simeon is not a prisoner. Benjamin will not be exchanged for the return of Simeon. Jacob does not fully understand the true nature of the circumstances he's going through. And this happens to us frequently. We don't understand what's going on. We need to be careful the conclusions we come to because they can be completely wrong. That's why we all love reading Agatha Christie or Agatha Christie movies because everybody's got it completely wrong. They look at the facts. They look at the evidence completely wrong until the end of the book. And you go, ah, yeah. Paul says, verse 25, wait patiently to know the will of God. Back in Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us the Spirit of God is praying for us, verse 26. We're told in verse 27 that we, he is praying that we might know the will of God. And he is praying that we might get tuned into upper room thinking. Because those who think and live like that recognize, even in uncertain times, verse 28, that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Everything that happens in my life has purpose. The scripture tells me that. All things have purpose. Which leads us to our last question, our fourth question. What ultimate purpose do all these things that the Spirit of God is praying for in my life, that I might know God's will in my life, what are all these things purposed towards? Well, we're told in verse 29 that we might be conformed to the image of God of his son listen to the word of god for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers all things all things are used by god to make us more like jesus this is the ultimate purpose of his children of you and I, who know Christ as Savior, is to become more and more and more like Jesus. And it's sometimes it takes difficult occasions to mold us, to conform us into that person. The ultimate person, uh, purpose of my life as a child of God is to be more like Jesus. Paul declares in Romans eight thirty one, God is for us. Even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of uncertainty, God is conforming and transforming and molding us to be more like his son. And the final confirmation of this fact, of God's providential care in your life as fact, is in verse 32. He, speaking of God, God who did not spare his son, But gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, him being Jesus, graciously give us all things? It is the cross. Friends, it is the cross. It is Christ's death that displays for us forever and ever and ever ever, that God is providentially caring and providing and protecting you. He sent his son to a cross to tell you, I love you. And God is always for you. And we just need to keep looking at the cross. And Paul certainly wasn't immune to difficulties. That's how he found himself in Acts chapter 28 through shipwreck and and, uh, torture and imprisonment. And finally, in Acts chapter 8, he's he's put into this house with all these restrictions. And from Acts chapter 8, we also read he's leaves this house and he's he's brought to the very infamous Marmontine prison. And it's here we expect Paul to be found guilty and executed, at least that's alluded to it in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And how does Paul get through all of that? Because he's thinking from above. He's not doing basement-type thinking or dungeon-type thinking in the Marmiteine prison. He's thinking upper room thinking. And his ability, his attitude, and his actions in the midst of those two years, while in isolation in this rented house, were remarkable, remarkable until he was marched out of the Marmontine prison down a stone pathway, and, I, and Marilyn and I have walked the traditional stone pathway to where it is believed he was beheaded in 68 AD. And so, like at the Heidelberg Catechism, I, I shared four questions, and I sought to give you a reasoned answer from Scripture to each of those questions. So let's quickly just go through them as we end. Question one, what does my knowledge of God's foreknowledge provide? What it provides is hope. Hope. That our confident hope is based in a relationship, not some silly little thing or my education or my health. No, it's in, in Jesus himself, the true hope. Second question from 8, Romans 8, 25. What is it I'm supposed to wait for? What am I to wait for? What is we are to wait patiently for? What are we to wait for his help? It's his intercession. It's recognizing that the Spirit of God and Jesus at the right hand of the Father are interceding. Our, they are our go-betweens. And then the third question is obvious. What is it that they are praying for? And in verse 27 tells us that we might understand God's will in the midst of the difficulty because we too easily jump to false conclusions, as Job and Jacob did, and we don't see the hidden work of God going on in our life. There's always purpose in our pain. And the last question, what ultimate purpose do all of these things work toward? And verse 29 of Romans 8 is very clear. All these things ultimately work to help me to be conformed to Jesus Christ. Paul did not waste his time in that rented, isolated. He used, in fact, that occasion as a platform to share the good news. And in Acts 28, verse 23, it says, and they came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He didn't think he'd get to Rome by the, the means he did in chains. But even though he was in chains in prison, they came to him. And the good news was shared. And in verse 24 of Acts 28, it says, some believed some didn't but some believed and paul came to terms with this truth his isolation gave him purpose his limitations placed upon him actually helped him to create an audience and his chains in which he had around him every time he was sharing god's word he was chained in that rented house. I love the picture of one of those Roman guards having to lift his hand so this crazy Jew can, you know, make a point, emphatic point, point. and he lifts his hand in surrender to let Paul make the point. That's been going on for two years for Paul. His chains gave him purpose and his purpose gave him hope. Gave him hope. So, beloved, I don't know what you're going through. I imagine it's not pretty for some of you. There are difficulties galore, I know, in a, In a group this size, I just encourage you to move to Romans chapter 8 when you're discouraged. And remember this, Deus pro nobles. Can you say that with me? Deus pro nobles. Say it again. Deus pro nobles. God is for Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9, 15, and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.